Hello and welcome to From the Rookery End. My name is John. Uh, with me is Mike. Hello there. Uh, and it is Sunday, the day after Watford played Liverpool. Uh, and as ever, these podcasts are of our take on life as a Watford fan. And let's see where our life is after another loss, which is not how it feels, is it, Mike? Because we lost 2-0 away at Liverpool. But we always talk, and you particularly talk, about incremental improvement. Well, 2-0 mm. from 6-0 is more than incremental. Uh, so we're, we're a better team than this year than we were last year against Liverpool. Well, yes. Uh, I mean, that does take uh, since we've been back in the Premier League. Now we've played at Anfield five times, and the aggregate score is twenty-one. Um, so we can't we can't ignore that. But yeah, I think you're right to point out, John, that we have had terrible uh, experiences at Anfield in the in the last couple of years. We've had terrible experiences this year, this season. So add the two together, and I think we would have been right to be to be trepidatious. I must say. Absolute hats off to the to the Watford fans that went yesterday. Uh, extraordinarily long journey just before Christmas, half past twelve on the TV. Those guys are are incredible, and the way they support the team is is incredibly admirable. So I'm going to. Um, this is a tribute to them. I think this podcast should be. This is in their honour. And absolutely, hats off to those guys, um, and, and especially the ones who do it week after week after week after week. But before the game, Mike, you said you would take three nil. Uh, and your desire was for us to be competitive, and we were. Yeah, that's that's what we ha- we had to be. I was so, so tired of. Uh, we don't roll over against the big teams, but that's what it feels like. And Anfield is the is the perfect example of where we've gone. Um, and you know we've been beaten five nil, five nil, six one, and and for a team in the Premier League, that's not not really good enough. And so we needed to address that that situation. But more importantly, of for for the now, we needed to keep this sort of little bit of momentum that that we picked up on on uh, well with hey, with with the removal of Kike Sanchez Flores frankly the the whole mm. dynamic seems to have changed uh, the results haven't we still haven't scored a goal and we still haven't won but the you know there was a tangible improvement in the atmosphere on last Saturday against Crystal Palace and we had to build on on that little uh, that little kernel of hope and I think the performance did that. That's what I wanted. Like you said, I wanted us to be competitive. I wanted us to be organised. I wanted us to be disciplined. Uh, and I wanted us to give Liverpool a game. I heard There was always that nagging little doubt that teams like Liverpool, who are on these enormous long winning runs, have to lose sometimes. And often they lose these winning runs, end against the team you, might, you least expect it to. And that refit the bill yesterday. And we came very, very close to, to causing an upset. And I think an upset would have been taking a point. I think we were... Um, very unlucky not to have taken a point. We would have, we would have deserved it. No one would have argued with that. And I think if you look at the the performance as a piece, uh, the the chances we created. If Liverpool had created the chances Watford did, they would have won the game four nil. If you look at for me, why did Watford not either draw or win that game? It comes down to two factors. One, Mo Salah, and mm. I think without him in that game, it would have been far more competitive and could have easily have. We would have easily have drawn that game nil nil, but to 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 win or even to get back with Mo Salah on the pitch, we we lost it. We lost us ourselves with what can only be described as three very very clear chances. Yep, and it's the you know it was it was laid bare for the for the world to see yesterday where where our issues are. I think we we did well defensively, and you mentioned Mo Salah. I think Watford did incredibly well to keep them relatively quiet for long swathes of the game. I mean, they did come into it; they did have periods of sustained pressure. But Firmino, um, Mane, uh, Salah didn't have it all, all their own way at all. And with a with a makeshift back four, I think that is 
there's an incredible uh, amount of credit is due to uh, to, to Watford to, to restricting Liverpool to, to the relatively few clear-cut chances they had. The first goal came on a break and perhaps we should have been a, a little bit more savvy. Just, you know, the, the, when the ball was cleared, we should have maybe just put it out, even though we were so far away from... Uh, Liverpool were, were so far away from our goal. We, but we know that they're going to hit us on the break. So when the ball's bobbling around, instead of trying to keep it alive, get, just get rid of it. But... You know they they took their opportunity, and when when Mo Salah is, is hearing clear like that, you know what the outcome is is going to be, and he obviously is the difference between or players of his ilk and his stature are the difference between between Watford and Liverpool. We just haven't got that that sort of talent. But I don't think he was a difference. I think you know we had more than enough chances. Once again, we did the hard work going into the game. I was really worried about that defence. It was a makeshift defensive line, and I was concerned, especially bearing in mind our season so far, especially bearing. In mind our recent trips to Anfield, bearing in mind our confidence that 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 defensive line, what we couldn't afford to do was ship more goals because it would have just taken the wind completely out of that. What little wind was in our sails, it would have set us back absolutely miles if we'd have if we'd have got hammered yesterday. So I think the defence deserves a, a lot of credit um, for for their performance yesterday, keeping those guys relatively quiet, restricting them to half chances. Mo Salah's first goal came on the breakaway. The second came, you know, when the game was, was almost over. So huge, huge amount of credit uh, to the to the defensive unit. I think yesterday, uh, yeah, both the moments of Salah's goals we sort of mentioned already were very special moments. Um, that only a player of his level and his, you know, the, the, where he is in his headspace of almost being a world world ruler of football uh, makes those sorts <laughs> of. You know, has that ambition to to have a go in those positions in 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 the way that he he did them. But that defence particularly, and it came up in, a, in an email I got from Richard, who I sit next to at games, and he sort of pointed out how important Christian Cabaselli is. And for me, the performance he put in yesterday, he was a player who wasn't scared of the players who were in front of him. Um, and he did particularly, you know, particularly well yesterday. But he he is sort of first choice now for me in terms of that middle centre back pairing. Yeah, and I think there are some stats about Watford's performances with with Cabaselli in the team. I think the the games we we've done well in have tend, tended to feature Cavaselli and I think it's right we do focus on him, on him a little bit he seems to have grown in stature he almost seems to have grown physically when you saw him yesterday you know he was barking orders he was sort of gesticulating he was he was a real integral part he was making things happen and he was it felt like he was he was taking ownership and I've often I've thought for a long time that that Cavaselli is um one of our better footballing defenders I think he's 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 probably the closest we've got to a modern centre-back you know these days every everyone needs to have a great first touch be able to pass it and I think he's he's the closest um we've got to one of those and like you say yeah I think he's he's our number one defender and he's he's sort of like our captain back there if that makes sense in uh, American sport they have alternative at captains, don't they? And I think uh, I think uh, Cavaselli is very much filling that role. He just seems to have grown, uh, you know, an extra couple of inches. He looks bigger. He looks more confident. He looks powerful. And as you say, John, I don't think he looked he looked um, he looked phased by by the issue the, by the by the incredible sort of attacking talent that he was facing yesterday. Quite the opposite, in fact. And I'd, I'd like to think that's the same for a lot of these players yesterday. And I did think that the way the, the the way that Watford moved the ball around was because they thought actually, you know, we can compete with these. We can compete with these world-class players. We are 
we do deserve to be on this stage. And I think you could see the confidence coming back. And a lot of that stems from the back. And I think a lot of yesterday's credit for that, for that confidence in, in the defensive unit has to go to, to Christian Cavaselli. I've been incredibly impressed with him um, this season. And I think, yeah, like you say, he's our number one choice. And he's a, he's a good sort of bedrock for us to continue to build on for the rest of the season. He's, he's been great. Really impressive. Because uh, Craig Cathcart is the, uh, today's uh, player because uh, number 15 in the Watford Advent calendar on social media today. And again, him, you know, those two sort of really coming through. But the, the, the weird bit yesterday, which I suppose it's hard to sort of talk about too much, was was Mariapa and Firmina um, in the positions that they were out wide. That isn't first choice. It isn't exactly what you'd want. But both of them really played fantastically. Um, and, and, and especially with the comments on the WhatsApp group before the the game actually started that was that was going to be the fear of where uh, Mo Salah might might have a go and uh, show up that you know maybe give Kiko uh, Firmino one of his bad games he has but he had one yeah. of his good games yeah, they, they did. And I think you mentioned Cathcart initially there. I think he deserves credit as well. He's just Mr. Dependable, isn't he? He's he's unflappable. He's un, unshakable. And he's one of those, said it time and time again, if there's a chance to get it out, regroup, he does it. He just does the simple things. He does it really, really well. No frills. Um, to, he does, to me, look like he needs a bit of a haircut and a shave. I'd like to I'd like to tidy <laughs> him up a little bit. But uh, uh, that's my only criticism of, of, of Craig Cathcart. But yeah, I think for many, has worried a lot of us, hasn't he, over the last last couple of weeks I think well he hasn't recovered his form of last year at all no. really um, and I think defensively, defensively he's been he's looked um, he's looked shaky he's looked um, well like so many of them John he's just looked completely devoid of confidence um, so there was massive concerns when we, when we saw where, he, where he'd be lining up and of course Maps playing out of position as well it was it was it was frightening he thought you know here we go again did it have to happen today when we were away at Anfield they've got this incredible record of, of smashing goals past us and now we've got a sort of third string defence well if that it was, it's, it was a sort of back four that, that you'd have to go through so many different permutations to, to end up at, with it wouldn't you you'd have yeah. so many things would have to happen but there we were and, and as you say I thought you know they battled away incredibly hard discipline and I do think John I do think that having that new man on the sideline, Nigel Pearson, um, knowing they're answerable to him, knowing what a mess Watford are in, I, I just think I just feel they've been galvanised, and 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 the fact that that those guys did so well yesterday, that Kiko dug in, that that Mary, you know, we know that Mary Apple will always give a, give of his all, but he's so disciplined, I think, and I think it does come from the regime change. It just feels so much; they feel most so much stronger. Um, this seems to be so so much more purpose already. It was a defence that, with our, our previous heads looking backwards, we we fear. But actually, when you you, you can see the influence that that Nigel has already had, just purely in confidence <laughs> to raise them. Um, but the 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 thing, you know, sort of taking him forward and what he did. The, the difference was, you know, he had the same formations we've had for a couple of weeks now. You know, he had he had four three, four three three, maybe four three two one. But what was really interesting was the fact that it was Hughes in the midfield with Capu sitting slightly deeper and Decore further forward. And you think, oh, that's definitely an influence or a new thing that, that Nigel's brought. And it, it seemed to work. And it seemed to bring maybe a little bit more out of Will Hughes. 
Yeah, I thought Will Hughes had one of his his best games for a very very long time. And looking on on social media after the game, there was, there was a lot of Liverpool supporters who were who were very uh, very positive about Will Hughes and and his performance, and and rightly so. I think it was um, I think it was his his best in in a long time, and it and it did work. It sort of allowed those uh, it unlocked the the front three, didn't it, to 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 get into get into space, and we were playing lovely little triangles um, from midfield, breaking into space, using the most of that space. Uh, being dynamic with it, being purposeful instead of this sort of turgid sort of looking like they've got got no idea. And I think you're right. That I think that shape freed these because we've said it week after week. These talented players. Will Hughes has done well for us. He's had a poor. He hasn't had his not a poor season. That's fair. He won't be happy with the way he's he's played so far this season. Etienne Capou last year's player of the season. Decore we're talking about or have been talking about as a as a fifty million pound player. These are all high level operators and they just have we haven't unlocked that potential at all and I thought yesterday was the first time in donkey's years that they that they showed what they could do we used to sort of transition so well from from front to back and, and it was that those midfielders that that made it happen that sort of the counter attack the the breaking would happen so smoothly so seamlessly and it would all got gummed up previously and now that a bit of that fluidity is um is 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 coming 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 through again you can see the 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 men making the overlaps the run and before we might have turned back and gone inside and and whatever but yesterday they were sort of little balls around the corner balls into space um and yeah and I thought I thought that uh, that that trio worked incredibly well and Will Hughes was the was the standout man I thought I thought Decore was it's interesting I was talking to my brother about it yesterday because obviously Decore sort of um highlights if you like his shooting was bad and there was lots of misplaced touches and some of the passes were, were off so on the on the surface of it it looked like he had a had a bad game but Mandy was saying and, and I think having a chance to reconsider it he probably played played pretty well and it's just when it came down to some of the sort of yeah. key sort of really obvious moments he didn't he didn't quite didn't quite happen for him but he's not alone in that is he so but yeah it was it was a really really encouraging midfield performance I just think overall if you at any other team than Liverpool I think other teams will be watching that and thinking oh hey up yeah, yeah sort of Watford are back a little bit here. Yeah, I went to a, a birthday party last night, um, and uh, with a bunch of Chelsea fans. Of course, yeah, because we were there to kick off. They'd been in the pub before their game, and they'd seen how Watford had done. Even watching not the whole game, but watching you know bits of the game, they sort of oh, you guys did really well. You know, they they the the vibes coming off Watford again are a team that can, uh, and the potential is there. Yeah, as everyone knows, you need to start doing it. I think I think the one one area I don't particularly want to talk too long about, Michael, because I think we've been doing it for a while now, is the final third. The, the only good thing I suppose about this is, and and it has been a thing over the last couple of weeks, you know, since the introduction of Czar, it it seems that we are creating far far more chances. Balls are going into the box, and a Watford player is in the middle. Um, you know, we could pick apart the fact that Deeney could have done it with his left foot and Decore should have hit the ball properly and you know all the yeah. all the other chances that we've made but the, I think for me and you know again some of the questions we've had uh, coming out about Delafeu you know not that I suppose this week I, I was I have I think I've been quite harsh maybe on Delafeu or maybe just too black and white on his performances yeah. saying it's terrible yeah. but actually in the back of my mind I know well he is the only one at certain points, the only one who is make is creating and being creative. The thing I've sort of been having over the last couple of weeks is actually the the pressure on him uh, to be that and the only one to be that output in the final third is is lessening because Troy's back because Zar is is now playing. It isn't as important. The only issue where the 
pressure and the focus is on him is set plays. And again, he just seems to be yeah. overcomplicating it and this corner was horrendous. Yeah, I, I think that's a really, really fair assessment, John. And I think I'll put my hands up of being guilty of that, of, of looking at his performances in terms of black or white as well, positive or negative, good or bad. I think you're right. I think he has carried our sole attacking threat on, on his shoulders for, for far too long. And yeah, we probably haven't, We've you know, I was quite sympathetic towards Decore a moment there, forgiving him, so you know, some some mistakes at key times where perhaps with with Delafay we haven't been or me certainly haven't been quite so so forgiving and sympathetic and yeah you make a good point that he has been the sole hope really for us going forward and Saar coming in has turned that on its head. Previously, when we've missed opportunities, we thought, well, that's our one chance for the game. That's our, or that's our, we won't get a chance as good as that in the in the game gone. Whereas now with with Saar, I think we he's growing with each with each game. I know I know it's very young in his his career, and um, the the output isn't quite there yet. We're not winning games. We're not scoring goals, but. A lot of it is down to him. That pace is absolutely electric. We heard a lot about it before he signed. We're finally seeing, you know, there was a wonderful moment where he, he left Virgil van Dijk absolutely for dead. Yeah. And I think another day he might have got a penalty. Van Dijk had to put his arm out put, and, and, and go across him. I don't think it was, I think if that's in the middle of the park, I think it's a, I think it's a penalty. And uh, Geordi made the point on the WhatsApp group, if it was given a, a penalty, it wouldn't have been overturned by VAR because his arm goes across him. Um, but it was just great to see him bursting in to the box and you think right okay here we are we've got that um, we've got some creativity we've got something that the defence is going to worry about and it's not going to be one chance it's not going to be a one shot deal it's not going to be right we're only going to create one chance we have to score it there's going to be multiple um, and that is he's been he's been so important to, to us John I think hopefully where you're right to be critical of Delafay with his with his delivery it's still it's still poor we're not still he's still not asking enough questions from from dead balls um, but what I think it will do, it it just allows him to to relax a little bit, knowing that he's got someone up there with him. And I think you attackers in particular, we talked about confidence, but they vibe off each other, don't they? Once it's once you know you've got defenders on the rack, rack a bit, you know instinctively where to run. You sort of pass and go, make those little triangles. Know where it's going to be difficult to where it's going to, we're going to make life difficult for defenders. So we didn't quite get the the finished article yesterday. Uh, on another day. We could have scored three, and I don't think that's over exaggerating at no. all. And and to to say to say that about a, a trip to Anfield, uh, especially in the context of our season, is is hugely encouraging. And I I do think John, a lot of it is down to Ishmael Assar. I think he's been an absolute huge breath of sort of um, inspiration. And I think he's just he's loosened the shackles off a lot of them, thinking. Yes, actually, we we can play football. We can cause problems. And I and I do wonder. Um, well, I don't wonder. I think it's down to, you know, Colin made this impassioned plea about Kike Sanchez-Flores all those weeks ago now. And it's it's no coincidence, is it really, that, that Kike's gone in. It, I don't mean this in a uh, in a derogatory way to the man himself, but it's almost as if a cloud has lifted. Mm. Um, the, fan, the fans are engaged again and the players are playing football again. And, you know, I'll reiterate, since Kike left, we haven't scored a goal. <laughs> um, but we have... But, but you, you, yeah. we picked up at Vicarage Road last week, didn't we? And I think people are feeling, you know, we've gone to Liverpool and we've performed. And all of a sudden, despite only being one point better off, 
we feel much more better off than that. We feel much more equipped to to take on this season. It feels like we've established base camp in our this, in this incredible effort we're going to have to put in to get to 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 to, to climb survival mountain. But it sounds like we've now. It feels like we've got the tools. We've got the oxygen mask. We've got all our pickaxes. We've got all our all our all our cold weather gear, and and we're going to give it. A, we're going to give it a proper go. And we can see the top of the mountain. We've got our route. Now we just need to. Uh, now we just need to get up it. And that that certainly came from the fact that yeah the, the second Liverpool goal was so late in the game as as the Leicester one was, but we were going and attacking and trying. There wasn't yeah. any point yeah. yesterday where it was we've got to sit back, we've got to hold no. this and not feel, you know that if, if you know the, the the Man City game if it had been playing you know in the heads of the players they just knew well we don't want five or eight um but yeah and they could have really been defensive but that that was never there so we can really see the mentality sort of well moving on or maybe moving back to pre-Kike we were in that game from the first minute right to the end and we had the probably the best team in Europe worried for the entire afternoon and I think um it would be churlish of us not to not to take positives from that. I think it was a, a terrific performance. I think we were a little bit unlucky, but I feel much much happier, happier than I have done possibly all season, which is odd coming off the back of a defeat. But like you say, just the the, the will, the determination, and a bit of style, a bit of vim, a bit of bit of vigor. We were in that game for the entirety of it. That's what we wanted before the game. That's what we got. I feel like we're in a good good place now. I feel I feel really positive. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans. for Watford fans from the rookery end. Uh, we asked uh, last night after the game uh, any questions for the podcast, and we've had some big ones, Mike. I think these need to be highly considered. Uh, first one from Chris Bone, uh, Lincoln Hornet, uh, Chinese or Indian? Right, uh, mildly hungover today, so mm. I'm Indian. going to say. Well, no, do you know what? When I'm, I, I fancy Ooh. Chinese, but um, both both have their merits, of course. Chris um, very much feels it's very much you know it depends on how I feel on the day. Both have both are, are magnificent cuisines. Um, if nine times out of ten, I'm going to go for uh, go for an Indian. Though the other one is interesting uh, from uh, Dave Muggins. Uh, he said, "Should Big Nige wear a suit touchline?" I don't think so. I don't feel he's no, that sort. I saw, when, when seeing him in the suit uh, last week, walking around the pitch, yep. he was like, "That's." I don't think that's Nigel Pearson. Don't you're not trying to be something you're not, are you, Nigel? Not happy with the suit at all. I don't. It wasn't no. the. Or perhaps I wasn't happy with his choice of suit. It was a bit. It was a bit sort of a bit tepid. The colour wasn't it? It was sort of a bit sort of grey, greeny. Was it taupe? Perhaps I don't know. Whatever it was, <laughs> I didn't really like it. But I did like was seeing his head poking out of that um, warm Watford Adidas coat yesterday, barking orders, doing the hand movements, looking every bit the every bit the coach. No suit for Nige, tracksuit and those big puffer coats all day long, no question about it, while he's eating his Indian. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've, we've talked a bit about uh, Delafeu and a couple of questions came up about that, but there's a, we're in that position because we've talked about that final third and how it isn't good. And when that happens... You know, you often see people going, "Well, what else? Whatever we don't have is the answer." Um, and and John Parslow, uh, Parslow said, uh, "Given the lack of goals, should we put Sam Dolby on the bench versus wasting the space for success?" Now we actually had a lot of people saying success should play. Should he be given the chance above Andre Gray? And I I know exactly where people are going with that, that. Think of we need something to change, so let's do something that's completely different. 
But the trouble is with both of them, particularly Sam, who's you know just in the part of the under twenty threes, um, and doing fantastic there. But it's those they need game time, and game time is precious. But how do you get young players like him from the under twenty threes into the first team? How do you get a squad player like Success who has injuries and we need more options? It feels like actually maybe Success should have come on instead of Gray because he needs the minutes and this was Liverpool and Andre Gray hasn't has had all the opportunities and he hasn't been shining you know I know it's a hard balance but opportunities for these other players need to be given and that's not just waiting to the FA Cup but what I would say we've spoken earlier John about how this team has only really come out of hibernation in the last couple of weeks and from from an attacking point of view Chances have been so thin on the ground, but I, when we talk about Andre Gray, I'm going to take you back to that to that Norwich game, and he scored that that goal. Delafeu got to the byline, crossed it into a dangerous area, and there's Andre Gray doing what Andre Gray does, finishing with a plum from six yards out. That's the kind of of player he is. How many times have we given him that sort of service? I would say we've probably given it to him once, <laughs> and that was in that that Norwich game. He had a difficult chance against against Crystal Palace, which he um, which he shanked. It was a very very tough chance. We haven't played to Andre Gray's strengths in the slightest. I feel desperately sorry for him. I understand why Watford supporters are are unimpressed with him. Strikers are scored by uh, uh, judged by their goal scoring record. His hasn't hasn't been great, but the service he has had has been absolutely dismal. So I want to stick up a little bit for for Andre Gray. But on the flip side, talking about how we whether we should bring people like Sam Darby up, we have senior strikers in the squad. They have a responsibility to perform, and I think it's right that the onus is put on them um, to perform. And it's, I think it's right that they're given the opportunity to perform. Uh, Isaac Success has had a number of opportunities, and sometimes he's looked good when he's come on. Sometimes he's looked like he's he's a competition winner with a with a hangover. So he's been very, very, very hit and miss. But Watford as a whole have been quite hit hit or miss. So I think it's it's very difficult to judge our current strikers because they just I just don't think they've had the service to be able to judge them. In terms of bringing the youth up, I think. Yeah, I think you look around the leagues, and there's there's kids younger than 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 that scoring goals in 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 leagues across Europe. But what I would also say is we've tr- we need to trust those coaches. We you know we've seen Hayden Mullins come up um, and take charge admirably of the first team. He will ne- be in contact with Nigel Pearce, and I'm sure they'll have a close relationship. And I think if if they if they decree if they decide that someone from the under 23s or or even lower is performing at such a level that he's ready for the first team they'll get called up I don't think there's any doubt about that I think if they think he's ready and can make an impact they'll get called up and I think the fact that he hasn't tells you what you need to know so I think it's like you said John it's a balance between putting the responsibility on those senior strikers and also People like Sam Darby, his his career, his the trajectory continuing until he is until he's ready. I think if he was ready, he'd be thrown in. Um, until that point, he he won't be. I think with with players like him, I think they've definitely got a chance. Scott Duxbury has spoken um, on the record before about how he does see that transition from you know youngster academy player all the way through to the first team as being a difficult journey, and it is. 
and we have to be realistic about that and that you know that that speaks to my point of if they're good enough they'll get in I, I've no doubt about that but I do think that these senior strikers have a responsibility and the rest of the team now have a have a responsibility to give them an opportunity to, to start scoring because strikers you know they can't do it all on their own they can't do it all on their own I do feel though maybe having you know Nigel Pearson you know, as an, an English-speaking manager, to speak to those young boys in much more depth uh, and nuance, um, not just the, the functionality of, of, of conversation, actually might help him understand them a little bit better, not just what they're doing on the pitch, but understand them when he can sit and talk to them, which I suspect he hasn't had a lot of time to do yet. Um, and as a new manager coming in, you need to see what they're doing uh, and see how they're going before you make those commitments. So we'll see. And But the, the, I think, you know, the FA Cup game at home to Tranmere is going to be the first proper proper chance for everybody to say, well, let's try something a little bit different. I do wonder, John, whether... And it, I, this, is a, this is only me uh, hypothesising. I do wonder whether Nigel Pearson has, uh, has more of an interest in the overall... Um, picture at Watford if that makes sense whereas I suspect you know in that head coach role Kike Sanchez Flores might be more focused on that on that first team and perhaps not not as as interested is the wrong word but not sort of completely across the the lower age groups I just wonder whether Nigel Pearson might take a more overall overarching view and all-encompassing view and 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 look at uh, more players than perhaps previous head coaches coaches might do but yeah I think FA Cup game against Tramir is a is a good opportunity to to shuffle the pack as you say one question which I know you won't be able to answer nor will I I'm very sorry Lizzie did Anton choreograph that show dance with Emma for himself we were both out last night, Emma. We didn't see the Strictly final. Very sorry about that. It's fantastic like when you guys interact with us uh, on social media. Uh, and thank, thank you very much for doing so. Um, you know, you did after me asking on, on, you know, on Twitter, what, what, any questions, what should we discuss? Uh, and just seeing the conversations between a few of you about success and about, you know, who should be given chances. Uh, it really helps us sort of gauge a little bit more about where what for fans are and what conversations they're having. Um, the other one, the last one, it sort of goes back to weirdly what we talked about earlier, but in a different way. Uh, Jonathan Rogers, why isn't Decore being dropped? You know, w- w- him playing a bit further forward, I suppose, made me when Queener came on for him, and you're going, well, that's like for like if you've got Decore being the attacking, more attacking of the three in mid in the centre midfield. He needs something to to give him a rustle, but to get him back to where he is. But I don't know, dropping him is necessarily the thing to do. But I do want Queener to play to get him more minutes, to get him uh, you know, to be a solid uh, fourth, maybe even fifth with Cleverly's fit option in that midfield. The basic issue is if you do a, a list of Watford's best players, Abdullah Dekoura is, is very much there. He's very much front and centre. I think we're all agreed that he hasn't hit the heights possibly that he hit the season before last. I think last year was a bit bit in and out from, from Decore as well. I think he's probably fallen into a bit of a trap of thinking his Watford career is, is winding down and I think he's possibly thought that for, for a year or so, which I think is fine. I think we all we all felt that as well. So we can't really complain if we if we feel like he's, he's going to be on his way out, that he feels that way too. Disappointing if that's had a di- direct impact on his performances, but, but I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and I think it's, it's hard 
hard for him because he set that bar so high. When when Watford were playing well, he was he was a big part of all, of all of that, wasn't it? Just getting the ball, driving forward, scaring defenses, winning the ball off his off his uh, off his uh, fellow midfielders, his competitors. He was he's an absolute force of nature when he's when he's on on song, and he just hasn't quite been there. But it's hard to gauge. It goes back to a conversation I had with my brother. You know, the, the, those the eye-catching bits with Decora yesterday are, are frustrating. You know, the occasional misplaced pass, those shots that we've seen fly in from him before, haven't we? So a couple of seasons ago, it comes to him on the edge of the box. You're sort of off your seat. You think, here we go, Decora back at back of the net, and it's just not happening for him at the moment. But I do wonder if you take him out of the side, how much we 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 suffer. I think we 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 had a period. Was it? It was last year, wasn't it? When he wasn't around, and we thought, right, this is. We're going to see how we're going to get on with without Decore when um, when he eventually moves on, and we struggled. We struggled badly. So I think even perhaps an off form Decore is, it might still be more important than we uh, than we than we think. That said, I think maybe a rest wouldn't wouldn't do him any harm. A sort of a week on the bench um, just to say, look, come on, mate, you're not you're not undroppable. You're one of our best players, but as it stands, you're you're not hitting those heights. You need to do whatever you need to do to. Um, to get back to that level, because you know we've talked about climbing the mountain, cl- scaling uh, survival mountain. Sounds like a new ride at Disney, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> but if we're going to get up there, we need our best players, um, best players performing to the absolute top of their ability. And if giving him a, a, a like you say, a Russell, a, a little nudge, a little tweak on the nose, saying you sit this one out, Abdullah, and you did you think about how you're going to come back next week uh, stronger and 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 drag us up, start dragging us up the table? Because you know there's no two ways about it he's nowhere near the the player he he once was um and we we need that to turn around so i wouldn't be averse to to dropping him but i also think perhaps we might take him a little bit bit for granted as well maybe a happy medium mike let's let's say we we take him off uh, a bit earlier and uh, you know bench him in, in, in the middle of the game rather than uh, at the beginning of the game but uh, again thank you so much uh, for your interactions uh, and do follow us on social media at what for podcast on twitter facebook and instagram A podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans. This is from the rookery end. Michael, one, one way that we do want everyone's involvement on social media is with our poll, our vote. I know we've had a few of those this week. We're going to look at uh, and have a almost a World Cup of your favourite. Now, let's be stressed out. Remember, it's your favourite, not the best. Watford player of the last decade that isn't Troy Deeney. We felt that if Troy was in this vote, he would win by a clear mile. So we want to sort of see what else and who else has made your favourite players. The group stages have been drawn, Mark. You've got the list in front of you. I'm not going to run through them all. Um, But uh, the voting will start on Tuesday. Uh, Is anyone particularly... Do you see any any of the... Is there a group of death where you think, oh, where's that going to go? What I would say, John, is looking back over these groups, and you will see, you guys will see them soon enough. And it, you know, we've been doing the podcast for for ten years, so this is the last ten years of of what for football. Reading this list, it's impossible not to have a massive smile play across your <laughs> yes. lips. There's been so much, so many fun and games over the last decade. So many interesting players, so many fun players, so many exciting players, so many good players. I love it. Looking at this is brilliant. Just some of the names because we've been spoiled. 
we've been spoiled. They're not necessarily the best players on earth, but what they've brought to our sort of the pleasure they've brought to our Watford watching uh, career has been uh, has been been magnificent. But uh, yeah, group of death. Group E for me, John. Oh, I say Group E all over. Ben Watson, yeah. John Eustace, yeah. Jose Holabas, and Odie Nigalu. Just, just so you know, all thirty-two. Of the final uh, that we had, they were drawn up from a list of about forty. The several were removed because they, you know, the, they did play in the last ten years, but it was at the end of their time at Watford, and a few of them, particularly Hyder Helgeson, who could have been put on that list because they were loan players, we removed them as well because they were only loan players. So everyone on this list had been permanently signed at Watford, and also you would be voting not for them in the same way why we removed Troy, you would have been voting for him. And them, more particularly, from what they did before this spell that they played at our club in the teens decade. But that is a heck of a group. Do you think John Eustace, your favourite, is going to get out of there with Odeon, Jose and Ben? I think, you know, Holovas has, has firmly established himself as an absolute uh, cult hero and, and, and no doubt Diana Holovas will be will be out canvassing and uh, <laughs> campaigning for his uh, his victory. Uh, you know, Eusti for me especially, I don't know if, if there's been any um, any sort of news on him coming back in this coaching role. Maybe that might, uh, might help him. He was so important to Watford during a difficult time. He was such a... Such an um, on you know he was a captain's captain much like Troy's now he was I I just thought he was absolutely terrific so I'm really hopeful that that he gets through but the the rest of those the rest of the lads in that group I mean that's a if you had a if you wanted to go take some take a group of these away on a on a stag do or on a or a night out it would be that group wouldn't it Ben Ben Watson <laughs> John Eustace Jose Holovas and, and Iggy it'd be it'd be terrific fun but some of, some of the other names in there John the one that caught my eye a lot was in Group A Naira Nosworthy yeah. and the reason that I love him being in there he I think he had he played against Watford and he had one of the most was it for Sheffield United I think I can't quite remember or Sunderland can't quite remember but he he made his debut uh, at yeah. Watford for an opposition it was the worst single worst performance I think I've seen by any player ever to to play at Vicarage Road um, so when he signed for Watford, it, we were—that's what everyone remembered. And then, of course, he turned out to be—he—he was his, his flame burned brief but brightly. He, he played really, really well for Watford. Seeing him on on that list is uh, is uh, brings back some pretty fond memories. Whether he's got enough uh, to get out of the group, I'm I'm not sure. But yeah, against Nathaniel Chalabar, Matty Vidja, and Akitjianya. But of course, he was also uh, on the opposition team during the seven-two win against Blackpool. The the have all the the current players. Um, I think Abdullah. You know, maybe if the time with his vote and when it is, you'd hope that he would definitely be a player who um, would, would make it through the group stages with with some ease. But he is against Jonathan Hogg, the man before Deeney scored that goal, Martin Taylor, and also Marvin Sordell. And it's all got great stories, haven't they? You know, Decore's career trajectory has been incre- been incredible at Watford. He almost went back out on loan. He'd almost didn't. He never developed into the player he was. Jonathan Hogg was absolutely integral. He was that midfield terrier. Did so well for us in in the Championship and was obviously such an important part in that goal. Uh, Martin Taylor, we we brought in at a time where we were were struggling, and he was a he was a good bloke. He had we had a lovely interview with him on the on the podcast. Mm. He brought a bit of defensive stability, and Marv was was one that you know. Famous Famously, the the academy guys at Watford didn't necessarily think he was gonna gonna make it, and he and he came through and surprised everyone, and had an incredible brief 
career with Watford, but but scored loads of goals and did really really well for us at a difficult time. So again, all just stories, stories everywhere, and just uh, it does it does serve to remind you sort of how lucky we are as Watford supporters to have experienced what we have with the, with these with these various players. You know whether Decore is gonna has got enough. You know he's obviously very talented. Whether he'll go down as people's favourite over the last ten years, we'll um, we'll have to wait and see. But other names in there, John, not in any one particular group, but no, no, you know, Daniel. Tozer, what you know, he he was one that was with us for for a little while, and, and he he brought us a lot of joy. Alman Abdi, I think he's going to go a long way. I think Alman is going to go going to go deep into this uh, in this tournament. Not least of all because I think he was the last person to score a direct free kick for Watford, wasn't he? <laughs> Probably. Danny Graham's in there, of course, um, as well as uh, Richarlison uh, had to be put in the player. Now, he only played us for one season, but uh, th- th- he-, he has to be considered at least. Uh, and then, of course, there's, there's Jorge Gomez, Lloyd Doyley, Norden Amabet, Tommy Hoban, uh, and all these sort of young players that we've had. So there's a, there's a lot of, again, shows the eclectic sort of phases to the last 10 years of Watford and, and the different sort of you know, places that we found ourselves, youth dependent, um, uh, loan dependent, you know, and, you know, Poodles in there as well for, from that first loan spell. And then, the, the, the you know, the Premier League years uh, and those that have, have stuck around long enough. So this is the group stages. There are 32 teams in the group stages. The top two will go through uh, from each group uh, and then we will have a vote, uh, sorry, uh, a head-to-head um, knockout stages until we hopefully sometime uh, in the week between Christmas and New Year's where we'll have the semi-finals and the finals. So voting will start on Tuesday uh, via our social medias, so please check those out. Uh, you can vote uh, early and often and as many times as you like. Uh, so, so vote for your favourite because that's what this is all about, your favourite Watford player. Not who do you think was the best Watford player. If they're the same, fine. But it's your favourite Watford player. So, Michael, we, uh, we, we leave one big established European Cup winning side behind us in a positive way uh, and we welcome one next week at Vicarage Road uh, in the shape of Manchester United who as we know aren't quite as uh, as uh, regal uh, and uh, established and uh, winning as they, they have been. It feels after such great performance against Liverpool that we could easily do something against Manchester United doesn't it? I, I think easily is is probably I know what you mean, but I, I, it's certainly not easy. I don't think we need to uh, be under any illusions that it still remains one of the the trickiest games of the season. But there's absolutely not that aura about Manchester United anymore. I think we're probably playing them at a good time in terms of in terms of our development. I think it's better for this side. I talked about how I, it it looked like they revelled in playing on that on that big stage at Anfield. Well, this is another big stage, but this time we're at home. I think the crowd is very much back on side. I think we can expect a, a noisy atmosphere on on Sunday afternoon. So I think this is the perfect opportunity. Um, you know, a win against Manchester United. What better way? To to really kickstart this this survival survival campaign, and I think we've got every opportunity to do it. Manchester City will have, I'm sorry, Man United and uh, their supporters will have watched the game on on Saturday. They will have watched it yesterday, and I think they will have changed their their opinion on how easy this trip to Vicarage Road is going to be. And I think most importantly of all, these players 
have got a bit of confidence and they will be absolutely desperate to take it to the next level. And I think, you know, Manchester United, very, very hit and miss, probably in one of their better patches of form at the moment. But I don't think we need to worry about that. We we look at it as um, as, as a real opportunity. Uh, yesterday, yesterday served served a purpose to to a degree. It, we, it gave us what we wanted in terms of that discipline and in that terms of competitiveness. I think Manchester United is a much less daunting game. It's at home, and we've got every opportunity. I'm I'm really excited by the prospect. I'm looking forward to going to Watford games again, which I'll, I'll be absolutely honest with you. I haven't looked forward to it. I've gone because that's what I do. I'm a supporter. I go and support my team. I catch up with you guys. I see all the, all the other people that we see at Watford. But I haven't looked forward to the actual games very much at all. I'm back on board and I'm, I'm really excited about Sunday. I can't wait. The glimpses of that Watford we know and love, they're, they're, they're inching their way back. Can they get back fully? Can they back, get back in time? I think they can. I think we might be in for an exciting um, 2020. I've, I'm really relishing it now. And, and, and if we can start that with a, with a win, it would be a massive statement beating Manchester United. They are still one of the most famous, biggest clubs in the world. Uh, let's beat them and let's get this party, the Pearson party started. <laughs> Do you know what I'm really looking forward to? And why, more than anything, why I want Watford to have a good end to this year is because if you start a decade doing this podcast, being quite a negative, pessimistic man, I know that hasn't disappeared, <laughs> but imagine there on New Year's Eve as the clock strikes 12 and Mike is a happy on it I think that would be an amazing achievement by the whole of Hornet Nations thank you much for listening to the podcast uh, as you've done for such a long time now uh, and thank you again as I said earlier on for, for getting involved and, and, and sharing your thoughts with us via social media thank you very much Michael no problem and I just want to do want to reiterate um, John's thanks for the support let's also support the team now I feel it feels like we've got um, our Watford back a little bit let's let's rally around let's really make this this whatever is how much is left of the season something to remember let's go for it we we're, we're where we're at we know where we're at we're in a difficult spot um, but you know we're in with a shout we are definitely in with a shout let's all of us stick together being critical friends is fine we do it often enough but let's enjoy our football, enjoy being Watford supporters, really get behind them, make noise, and, and let's see what we can do. Also, um, it's Mum's birthday yesterday. Disappointing that Watford couldn't deliver um, a, a present to, to Mum in the form of a win, but I think she was delighted with that performance. So just wanted to say happy birthday to Mum. Uh, love you lots. She didn't get any birthday cards delivered by John McLennan. <laughs> I hope not, for Dad's sake. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening, and come on, you all! 